Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Ken. And this is Translating ADHD. And this is actually our 13th episode, Cam. Lucky number 13. So what are we going to talk about today? That's a good question. And um, forgive me for, for my voice today. I've got a little bit of a cold, but we're going to go ahead and soldier on here. Last week, we talked about the lunch counter, right? our, our cause and effect model, and um, getting up to that lunch counter and reframing. Right? So, and, and the power of language there. So we did say that we were going to follow up with some of our own uh, experiences kind of run through that process of reframing. And I think that's a really good thing to look at today. There were two other things that came up, though, in the, in the time being. So one was, and this is fascinating because it kind of, I first thought, oh, let's just go ahead and pick something, Cam, and go forward. But then I thought, oh, what a great little opportunity to kind of delve into Cam's ADHD brain. Because these three things came out like, like gangbusters, right? and one in particular, like it was a super strong signal, and I really had this desire to talk about that, like to take the thing we've been talking about and set it aside, right, and almost leave it like an incompletion. It goes back to this whole dilemma around uh, why we don't do what we know we ought to do. Right? Is there's a lot of reasons for that. One is we have competing priorities. And a new shiny object comes in and it's like, it's just so compelling. And the one that was compelling for me was really digging into time and around this question. of How does time come into consideration with respect to that question of why we don't do what we know we ought to do? And I started making notes, Shelly, and I was like, and it just, it was, and I just, I just abandoned, I abandoned our other topic, you know, but I realized and I, wait a second. Here's a great opportunity to see this sort of the challenge of ADHD because so often it's interpreted or it's, um, it's shown as this sort of one dimensional thing, right? It's the squirrel that forgets where they put their nuts. Right? It's not that at all. It's, uh, the, the brain is a very complicated, uh, um, mechanism and organism and attention is, is a fascinating concept. So here's the thing. I've recognized that the time, that time topic, we're going to go ahead and put that to the side. I got to exhale, right? Recognizing we've got, we've got hundreds of podcasts. We've got lots of time. Time is our ally here and that we can put the topic of time, punt that down the road, right? So that's what I did. Number one. So now I'm left with two topics. The second topic, or the third topic, excuse me, was really recognizing the fact that we are at number 13. And that you, the listener, have been listening with us for 13 episodes now. And some of you, as you said in um, some of the social media commentary, is that you've listened more than once, right? It's dense material and you've listened, had to listen two or three times. So the fact that you're still with us on this journey, that's worth taking a moment to acknowledge. And so I do want to do that first. And then we're going to get into the pick up our story from last week around how we work with that lunch counter and that metaphor and moving from effect to cause. All right. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. And 
Yeah, listeners, um, especially those of you that have been with us uh, since the beginning or who have listened to most of our episodes, um, thanks for sticking with us and kudos to you for sticking with us because we recognize that this is not easy listening, right? Um, Same as the work that we do with our clients. Coaching is not easy work. But if you hang in there you will start to notice a difference as you take what makes sense to you and start to implement it for yourselves. Right. And so to piggyback on what you were saying there, Shelly, it's no small feat to stay with something, right? The novelty of this is worn off. And the fact that you're with us on the 13th episode, many people come and they're looking for a quick fix. They're looking for that tool, that strategy. And we're not giving that to you necessarily. Right. We're building something very slowly here, deliberately and appreciating process. So the fact that you're here, uh, kudos to you and congratulations. But also, I like to say this to my clients is when they're hanging in with something and staying with it, they're actually overcoming their own ADHD right? because ADHD disrupts that ability to stay to a completion point to engage and continue to engage and to pick that project back up. So the fact that you're coming back every week and picking this up, you're staying with this, that you're overcoming your own ADHD. Yeah. So a couple of questions I want to leave you with, right? Just to, uh, a couple of questions to, to, to stew on or simmer, right? If you have a piece of paper, uh, jot these down. Right. And these are kind of coaching, coaching questions based in curiosity. What Shelly and I are interested in is, so now that you've been with us for 13 episodes, what are you aware of? And we talked about awareness and readiness for change and the value of awareness. So what are you aware of now that you weren't before you started on this journey with us? What are you learning? What in particular is resonating? Right. So we talked about creating change. We talked about uh, ADHD and the adrenaline response cycle in week four. We talked about essential structures in week six. And so we're curious about what of those pieces or elements that we've introduced are resonating with you and what are you doing with it? Right. The next phase is really what's your practice? What are you taking? and running with in the terms of say self-care self-knowledge self-talk communication with others we've talked about how this this whole notion of understand own and translate how are you putting that into play right we want you this is very experiential so take this apply it and we're curious about that we want you to be curious about this too so there's my piece on just Pausing where we are, celebrating, all right? And how about you and me, Shelly, right? Yeah. The fact that we've gotten here. This is pretty good, I think. Yeah, we, we, we made it to 13 episodes and all the work beforehand that it took to get us to launch. So that's a big completion for us, too. And listeners, um, we would love to hear the answers to these questions, but we're not asking them solely for that reason, right? Even if it's not something right. you're going to send to us. It's an opportunity for you to reflect. Cam, I'm sure you've had this with your clients where they show up to a session after a number of sessions together and suddenly feel like they're making no progress, right? 
And so what do we do? We zoom out and ask questions like this. We look at where we're, we've been, what we've learned, what has changed, because ADHD often disrupts our ability to reflect on our experiences. So right. this is a reflection exercise for you. But if you do want to share your answers to some of these questions with us, we would love to hear those as well. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I liken it to kind of uh, orienting ourselves, right? Orienting, reorienting, get a sense of where we are and where we headed. That Back to uh, the week that we talked about journey thinking, right? Where are you on your journey? Where are you on your journey with us? Um, just to, to contemplate that. Yeah. So you ready to switch gears and go back to the original, original topic? The original, original topic. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. So last episode, episode 12, we spoke about uh, the lunch counter and, and doing good lunch counter work, right? The power of story, powered narrative, self-talk, and starting to reframe that language. Uh, and that's a really good first step to getting out of those sticky, dark areas down uh, in the deep, deep chasms of effect. Uh, we named a couple of those places too, right? Like Comparison Canyon. Um, and uh, I, what was adrenaline? Adrenaline, I'd have to go look at my picture, but I can't remember. But, uh, oh no, I'm sorry. Addiction, Addiction Alley. There we go. Just remember that. So what we're going to do is uh, run a couple of examples of our own experiences through this process. Recent examples at that. We alluded yeah. to these in our last episode. So Cam, do you want me to set mine up first? Sure. Um, let's do yours and, uh, and then we'll do mine. And we can kind of run it through this cause and effect metaphor, uh, utilizing the lunch counter and also our own process of this understand, own and translate. So yeah. Um, and I, I think you can do kind of a, a quick overview because you shared a, a fair amount of this last time, right? In the sense of you were in traffic and you were headed and your GPS took you to a... To Actually, a, I didn't share any of this the last time. I shared it with you. <laughs> so I got very dynamic attention system. So thank you very much. Go ahead. Um, share away. Okay. So I was on my way to a networking group that my business partner and I sponsor and the thing about this particular meeting is it was actually the last one ever because we've decided to step away from this, right? So a farewell, getting to see everybody one last time. I wanted to make sure I was there. And because of where I live, there are multiple ways to get there depending upon traffic. So I pull up GPS and I get in my car and it's taken me kind of a hinky route, but you know, traffic's kind of hinky that day anyway, so I don't think anything of it until it tells me I've arrived and I'm nowhere near where I should be. Well, I mapped to the wrong location. So now I am 20 minutes late. Yeah, how, my question is how wrong? Like how far away were you from the original destination? Um, 20 minutes. Don't ask me what that is in miles. I couldn't tell you. But like, you know... Was it in the sort of the general direction? It was in the general direction. Okay, good. Let's get. Yeah, I wasn't going like completely the opposite direction. All right, good. It was it was a hinky route, but it was in the general direction, so I thought it was all right. So yeah, and what is is hinky a midwestern term? I don't know. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just fascinated with hinky. 
So, but that's good. We'll go with Pinky. Sort of I feel different. like I can Not... ask that about a lot of my words. So I don't know. I guess we're, I guess we, we have our own vernacular here in the that's Midwest. Okay. So I've gone from being right on time to a little early to about 20 minutes late. So I think, okay, no big deal. You did an ADHD. You didn't pay enough attention on your way out the door because I didn't give myself enough time to get out the door. But it's okay. Just remap and go there and be late. Right. So I map the correct destination which is in a very busy shopping district. And it was a really nice day this particular Friday. And it was one of the last Fridays before Christmas. Well, I get to the correct location and there is nowhere to park anywhere in the area. And I'm now stuck in shopping traffic, oh, circling. Pre- pre-Christmas. Yeah. Traffic. yeah. On a nice day. And I, I don't know about you, Cam, but in... St. Louis in winter, when we get an actual nice day, people's brains just turn off and nobody remembers how to drive. So, you know, a couple near accidents later and trying to find a place to pull off so I can at least text my business partner and let her know that I'm not going to make it because I cannot find a parking place. I am now in full blown panic attack mode. And in the first panic attack I've had in a very long time. And I had to sit in a residential neighborhood for about an hour before I was able to drive home. Wow. Because the whole thing was just so stressful. So you missed the whole event. I missed the whole event. There was, there was no possible way for me to get there. And so how's that sitting with you now? Like the whole, as you look back and reflect on the experience, what's, what's the big learning from that whole experience? So what I think is interesting is, A few years ago, this would have gone very differently, meaning the repercussions would have lasted quite a bit longer, right? I reached out to my business partner while I was sitting in my car and let her know, I can't find a parking place. I'm so sorry. I feel so bad. She said, it's okay. Buy yourself some lunch on the company and go home. (laughs) It's fine. Now, in a previous life, prior to becoming more aware of my own ADHD experience, I wouldn't have believed her that it was fine. Right? I would have been telling myself a completely different story. I'm a failure. I always do this. I didn't honor my obligations. People can't rely on me. Right? Going down that path. Uh, This is not fair to Jen. Right. Right. You know, this is terrible that I put this on her and that I didn't show up for her, right? But the thing is, is I do show up. And I know I show up, right? And I know that that bullshitty voice telling me that I don't show up is lying. And I'm able to acknowledge that. So once I was able to bring my anxiety down, and that was mostly due to the traffic, by the way, that didn't even have a lot to do with missing the event, although I felt bad. It had more to do with traffic. Once I was able to bring the symptoms of my anxiety down to a manageable level, I bought myself some lunch on the company and I came home and I put my PJs on and I mellowed out for the rest of the day and I just let it be okay. It's okay to mess up every once in a while, right? And it's okay to not show up occasionally, especially when you really intended to. 
right? So the big difference for you there was the recovery time. Exactly. Right? You said that, you know, we've talked about the ice doors or the, the Hoth ice doors. That that would have been a, a, a just a, a, a great opportunity to climb into the ice cave and close the doors. Absolutely. Right. And, and, and disappear for several days. Yep. Yeah. But you didn't do that. Nope. Yeah. I didn't. So last week we talked about the power of language and reframing. And you just talked about how right, that voice, right, that critic, you, you could just confront it and easily and say, listen, that's not true. It's lying. Right? I do show up. Right? So that's that power of context and not taking this one event and making that one event mean have meaning for everything, which I think is a very much of an ADHD thing. We hyper-focus on that one event in this moment, and this is our definition of who we are. Yeah. Right? This failure, this moment. So you're able to sidestep that, step back, and reframe. And what was the, in addition to that, what's the, I, I wonder about that practice. Actually, this is what I wonder about is the practice of how you got to that place of, I do show up. What was that practice? Because I think that's what our listeners are interested in is how do I get to that place? How do I get to that place where Shelly is now where I can just sort of take that, okay, here's this input. I'm not showing up right now, but I do show up. And I can let this go and move on. Well, it's kind of a two-part answer. The first part is, is I got better at showing up, right? There's no way around that one. There's, right? there's no way around that one. And I, I hate that for you, listener. I hate it for me, right? But when I was diagnosed with ADHD and I started to figure it out, I did the work. I got a coach. I became a coach, right? And those two things have allowed me to understand, own, translate, and I show up more often than I'm more consistently than I ever have before. Right. Going back to episode five of readiness for change, right? The first piece of that is doing your other work, right? Strengthening your awareness. Yep. And recognizing, okay, I can't do this alone, which is another just classic ADHD challenge or kind of thinking is I made this mess. I need to, I need to dig my way out of it. So, right. Uh, there are limits to what I can do and what I cannot do. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I lied. It's actually a three part answer. So part two is becoming more aware of my self-talk, of the narratives I'm telling myself and becoming aware of which ones were true and needed to be paid attention to and which ones were sort of collapsing distinctions. Part three, and Cam, you just alluded to this, is learning to rely on other people. Jen is an incredible business partner and she loves being supportive. She is the person that loves showing up for you if you need something. She is the person that wants to be leaned on. 
right? So when things like this happen, she can handle it. And it's okay. And she's not upset. So why am I going to be upset on her behalf and beat myself up over it when she's fine with it? Right? right. Which is an important distinction. Yeah. We're distinguishing, okay, Jen's okay. As you said, Jen said, it's okay. Right? We can handle this. And she knows that you show up. Right? She recognizes that too. This is something that it wouldn't work out with any person, especially someone who didn't understand who you were or about your ADHD. Absolutely. Right. Jen is, so my business partner listeners is neurotypical, but there have been a lot of translation conversations in our partnership, right? So she understands a lot about ADHD and how my ADHD shows up. To the point that if she is actually upset about something, we have a phrase for that. We have a way for her to let me know this isn't okay and we need to talk about it, right? So that I'm never worried that there's something she's not saying or something she's not telling me, right? Because it's partnership. It's kind of like being married. You know, there are times where I do mess up and it needs to be talked about. But we have a way to enter that type of conversation where I know that we're going into that type of conversation. She knows that we're going into that type of conversation and it's fine. And otherwise, if she says it's okay, I believe her. It's okay. I, I like that. I like that process there of that three-step approach, right? Recognizing again that there are these three different areas, the three large significant factors that contribute to you having a different outcome here. Yeah. Right. I think that another thing we do is we sort of look to one tool or one solution when in fact it's often a constellation of different things that come into play. Yeah. And then think about the, just the, the lack of loss of productivity there. Right. And that sounds very sterile, but you know, going into Hoth and staying there, it has a productive cost. It also has a, a psychic cost, right? I mean, you come out, you don't feel refreshed. No. It's completely depleting. No, I come out and I feel like I have to learn how to be human again, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And, and you've misplaced the owner's manual, right? <laughs> I put that owner's manual. It's probably with the warranties that I have stacked up, all my appliances. That's a great example. And so you're able to kind of recognize, understand the situation in that moment, adjust, really separate yourself from uh, the, the inner critic and any kind of feelings that, right, that critic can kind of push you into the deep end of the emotional brain. Didn't go there. Did for a moment in the sense of around the anxiety with respect to, as you said, making that distinction, the traffic and the fact that people were driving like crazy. Right. And I think I imagine too, was it all anxiety? Or was it also possibly overstimulation? Oh, it's definitely partially overstimulation. Um, right. I don't do well in scenarios like the one I found myself in under the very 
best of circumstances. Right. Even if I had been on time, had the traffic situation been like that, I might have made the same decision anyway, because I just get immensely flooded and stressed out. And it's like, I can't, (laughs) I can't figure out what to do. What do I do? There's no parking spaces. What do I do? Right. Well, prefrontal cortex shut down. Yeah. Right. You don't have access to that, the decision-making process. Yeah. This is random aside, but I've often wished, um, you've seen the movie, honey, I shrunk the kids, right? I've often wished that we could do that with our cars. You know, I don't mind driving in traffic. It's the trying to park when things are chaotic that stresses me out. So I wish I could just boop, put my car in my pocket. It might be someday. (laughs) There, Cam's usually the one giving away ideas, but there, there's my big idea to give away. Yeah, Uh, there you go. I like that. Do you want to switch over to my idea? Yeah, my experience. Yeah, let's hear your let's hear your experience. So, Cam and I both had kind of a rough couple of days right in sequence before we recorded episode twelve. Yeah, this you know, so I, I we were joking about this, and I said it's a good thing I don't. That a, that a hobby of mine is not flying airplanes. I do ride my mountain bike a fair amount, and I I, uh, I ride with my kid, and um, I coach one of the coaches on his mountain bike team at the high school. So we were out uh, riding, and um, and before that, I was replacing a brake pad, and so by, uh, bikes like cars have disc brakes. And they have, uh, they have brake pads, uh, just like cars. And it's a real simple switch out, right? You wear down the brake pad, you switch it out. So, uh, I've done it probably 15 times. It's a very simple process. And there's a key, uh, uh element there, right? That there's a cotter pin and you slide the cotter pin in and then. You go ahead and you take the tweezer pliers and bend back the cotter pin, right? At the end, so it doesn't come out. Very simple. So I get out on the trail with my son and we're riding and, um, I lose my brake and I'm riding down the hill and it's grinding and I'm, I, uh, it, it's like all the, um, hydraulic fluid went out of it and I'm like pumping the brake and I'm like, geez, what's going on here? You know, still riding down the hill. But when I finally stopped and looked down, it made no sense to me. I looked in and just a mangled mess in my brakes. And I I couldn't really understand what was going on. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh my God, I didn't bend the cotter pin. I didn't do the final, most important part of replacing pads on your brakes. Right, is actually bending back the cotter pin so it doesn't come out. It on the first descent, it just the cotter pin wiggled its way out, and the brakes, right, the brake pads just failed uh, in a most miserable way. My son had gone ahead of me, and um, he worked his way back slowly, and I, at first, was sort of like, "What the heck, yeah, like." Still doing that stuff, like just for kind of a moment, like really. But like you, it was sort of there's a there's a there's a choice point. I could have gone down that road of the the old path, 
to giving a megaphone to the inner critic and letting him get up on his soapbox and give me a hard time. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I didn't, I'd sort of like, yep, there's that guy. He's there. He's not going to go away. He's going to give me a hard time, but contextualizing this in the sense that, all right, you know, it's a $7 break pad. I've spoiled today, right? I've spoiled the ride with my son that I cherish, but you know, I didn't hurt myself. I didn't hurt my bike and I can fix this, right? This is a situation that I can fix. He went ahead and, and kept riding and I walked my bike back to the car and I could, I could pedal it up the hill, but not the down, not down the hill. And put the bike on the rack and sat there and reflected and went back to, instead of again, the emotional place and the failure really about the breakdown point, right? Of why was it that I did everything, but the most critical part. Yeah. And why was it cam? Were you able to parse that out? Well, in previous episodes, I've talked about sort of my own awareness of my lack of completion, right? And I've solved that in the most important ways, but I still have my ADHD. I still have moments of uh, gaps in attention, gaps in intention, you know? And I recognize that my son and I were both sharing these needle nose pliers and that he had taken them, I'm not going to blame him at all. But I had gone ahead and uh, without having it, I went ahead and threaded this cotter pin through there and left it, got distracted by something else, and then never came and never came back to finish the job. But this recognition of, okay, there was no mission in this critical step. And it was because, you know, I should have threaded the cotter pin and bent it at the same time. But just, I, I moved it from this emotional uh, judgment to more of this observation. Yeah, just, looking at the functional pieces, right? What functionally went wrong here? Right. I mean, and again, sort of like, there's the functional breakdown of the brake pad, but there's also a functional breakdown in my executive function. Right? Just in that moment. And it can happen in a split second. Right. And I, I think I said, you know, oh, I'll come back to this. I'll just leave it here and I'll come back. And somehow I didn't come back. What I do, I, and, and I didn't, you know, really necessarily get to the bottom of it. But what I did do is go home and I had another $7, you know, set of brake pads, put them in. And you know damn well, I bent, bent back, back, I bent the pin. Right. And we're back out and we're riding again. Um, but I think in both of these stories, it's that ability to disrupt those old narratives before they get up steam and get going, right? Being observant of the, of the situation, recognizing as, as you did, you know what? I, I don't have to show up right now, right? For me, it's like my brakes failed and, and yeah, it spoiled a good ride, but I didn't let it impact me as an individual. I like this um, metaphor 
about our sense of self. And um, if you think about like an important document, right? When you imagine an important document like the Declaration of Independence, right? The actual document. It's not just sitting on a counter, right? For anyone to touch or pick up. It's under glass. It's you know, environmentally protected, right? But it's there for folks to admire, right? To appreciate, right? So people can come in and you're standing behind the velvet rope. For those of us with ADD, our sense of self is like that important document, but we make it much more accessible. We make it accessible not only to others to kind of tear at, rip at, scratch on, but also ourselves. It's sort of like the old public telephone booth phone books. I don't know if you're old enough to remember phone booths and the phone books in the phone booths. Do you? I don't know. Uh, a little past my time. I remember pay phones, but phone booths really weren't a thing. Okay, pay phone. Yeah, pay phones. Yeah. Well, back in the day, we had these phone booths, right? That's what Superman would change in back in the day. And in there were phone books that the phone company would make available. And they had a little plastic cover. And you went in there, it wasn't pristine. Because people, when they used the payphone, they basically, no one's around. And they're usually in a desperate situation. And they would just tear out the page they needed. Right? And that phone book was so accessible and people didn't respect it. They made it easily accessible and just tearing pages. I think that for us, that phone book, we need to put that under, you know, glass. Um, and the first step is noticing when we're tearing our own pages out. Yeah. Right. When we're being critical of ourselves. And again, it's a situation typically where we mess up and then we just pile it on. Right. We pile on in this specific situation. So listeners, when you mess up, pause and don't pile on and get some distance between you and that inner critic and notice the inner critic's language. Starting to reframe, starting to build context, right? Recognizing, is, is this as bad as I'm making it out to be? Likely not. Yeah. Cam, the other thing that I noticed in both of our stories is our acknowledgement and ownership of ADHD, right? Both of these stories started with very ADHD moments because ADHD is on board. And even yeah. though we do the work of helping people understand, own, translate, manage, accept their ADHD every day, we still have those moments too. Because ADHD is still there. And sometimes it just wins the day. Sometimes it catches us half-stepping, right? Uh, I like that expression of uh, ADHD on board. I think that so often folks try to, they think that what they need to do is um, outrun it, right? Just make it go away, to turn it off. Um, going back to embracing your unique brain wiring, 
that we talked about in a previous episode. It's just recognizing that, you know, it's there. You, you've got this glitchy Rubik's cube right back at the top of Mount Rainier or the spirograph or the little, you know, the grabber, arcade grabber game, right? That doesn't grab well or let go of things well. It's at work. And when we're under stress, it tends to get a little more active, right? In those situations where you're out and um, there's additional stressors and inputs, right? St. Louis drivers acting weird and kind of exacerbate the situation. Yeah. Create a trigger. I think also, too, is our idea of translating. We talk about being able to communicate effectively with others. I think this is where translating really is about speaking to yourself effectively. Right? Hey, you know what? Things are not going well, but it's not the end of the world. It's a situation. But to step back and to reframe, right? To reframe, to rephrase that language so it's more effective and more accurate. Another important thing I want to note here about translating is that in our examples here today, we both were with people who understand our ADHD on a level that really the most intimate people in your life are the only ones that are going to understand that, the people that you see and work with every day, right? Your son, my business partner. So there was a lot that we didn't have to say, and there was a lot of potential outward negative feedback that didn't happen well I, you know my son is a 16 year old boy <laughs> and, you know with like you know like dad what <laughs> yeah so. well so he's a little harder on you than jen yeah. was on me but yeah my, but my point still, here being is yeah. don't think of translating let's let's just say that these scenarios happened with people outside of that sphere outside of that sphere of knowing us well enough that they know our ADHD, right? In this instance, don't confuse translating with justifying, right? The person on the other end may or may not understand. They may or may not try to understand. They may or may not believe that ADHD is real, right? That's not the point. The point is, you know what happened and you know who you are. And you don't have to take that other person connecting the effect, what happened, Cam's breaks, my not making it to the meeting, and accept what they see as the cause. Because you know what really happened. And with that audience to consider, I think there's another thing here is that we, we try to win everyone over. And that not everyone is going to be a resource. Not everyone's going to be understanding and that they are welcome to their opinion. And you can't change that necessarily. And it's not worth changing. Right. But there are people who will listen, who want to understand and to say, you know, again, hey, I'm, this is not my day to day. Right. My, my brain's not showing up. Right. For, for whatever reason. But we can go into this kind of um, apology mode, right? And it's sort of like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, really? 
I don't think it has to go that far necessarily. Apologize once, but then bring it back to what can I learn from this? Right, at the beginning of this episode today, we talked about with episode 13, you know, what are you learning? This is a great learning opportunity here. When you mess up or you know, make a mistake, it's like, well, how did the ADD show, how did the ADHD come into play here? And that's, that can be just extremely rich content to look at. And it, oh, it piques our curiosity, which is a real superpower when we lean in there. Yeah. And that learning is how we create change, right? I guarantee you, if I'm going to a destination that has multiple locations, I will pay attention to which one I'm pulling up from here on out. I won't just assume that I clicked yeah. on the right one. Right. And, and, and you know that I'm going to, you know, every time I do a brake job on my bike, it's, uh, that's not going to happen again. I mean, it's highly unlikely to happen again. So, Because yeah. now right. you know if you leave it halfway... <laughs> and next time you might be in the backcountry cam so please don't do that <laughs> yeah. well it really begs this question of what is completion to think that you know understanding where we are in a process this is part of the adhd breakdown is that we don't know where necessarily the destination is and often we will finish or stop thinking we're finished when in fact we've missed a step but we haven't finished all right that whole idea of this whole, this whole notion of, uh, and going back to why I don't do what I know I ought to do, right, is we will do 87% of a project, you know, and the last 13% is so hard to finish, right? We think we're finished. Maybe uh, we think it's too hard to finish. But it's, again, this exploration around this whole process of, you know, what is halfway done and what is getting to a completion point that now I know bending back the cotter pin is a real completion point. Absolutely. I think that we could do a whole episode on the topic of completion. And I know just the scenario that I would bring. Um, Cam, you're intimately familiar with this. Why I'm not yet certified as a coach. <laughs> <laughs> What? You're not? Is, is a perfect <laughs> example of that 87%. Um, so oh, you're about like 93% there, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like insanely close. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's really silly that it's not done. But I think it would be an interesting exercise to explore why. Because we do often struggle to see where completion is. And we also, not just struggle to see where completion is sometimes we struggle to recognize smaller completions on the way to the large completion absolutely so when the goal is big sometimes we get hung up in that big completion and we can't break it down into its smaller parts right uh well we'll add that topic to the time topic that i talked about yeah. at the beginning of the episode so I think that's a good place for us to wrap up for today, especially since poor Cam, you all won't hear any of this in the episode because of the magic of editing, but he has really been powering through and stopping to have some coughing pit fits between his talking. So thank you, Cam, for showing up today, even when it was hard. Congratulations on that completion. Oh, yeah, we got a, we got one in the can, right? There's a good completion. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. 
So if you like what we're doing here, please leave a review or rating wherever you listen to the podcast. If you have feedback for us, you can send us an email from the website translatingadhd.com or hit us up on Twitter at translatingadhd. And until next time, I'm Shelly. And I'm Ken. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening. Thank you.